on this episode of AV Week, the state of automation and control in the AV industry, managing high-profile installs during COVID, and leveraging proximity sensors and Bluetooth for touchless meetings. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 464, recorded Friday, July 10th, 2020. Overcomplicated. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, Sound Extraordinary, and by QSC, who invites you to go native with the QSIS audio, video, and control ecosystem, and by FSR. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, you know her, her you know of her from the Avixa Women's Council, but also from Mad Systems, Brandy Alvarado. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. And also with us, uh, the best uh, best dressed side of my brain, Mr. Matt D. Scott from Omega Audio Video. Welcome, and also our Resi, uh, Resi Week show. Welcome, sir. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And last but not least, a brand new gentleman, at least for AV Week, but he was the star of one of our Learn From Home sessions uh, back in April, and I'm hoping to get him back on in December if we get a chance. Mr. Joel Norris from Sure. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, and Sure is, is one of our underwriters. We, we thank them for their support. Uh, so first story here, guys, comes to us actually, uh, from AV Magazine, talking about proximity connections and, and Bluetooth beaconing. Uh, story, or the article talks about Microsoft Teams rooms and their use of beaconing. When you start a Teams system, uh, start a Teams call, rather, uh, the system searches for available, um, available connections, available meeting rooms, and asks if you want to join. So in other words, if you're, if you're in a, a, a common space, right, and you start your call, whether that's on a mobile device or it's on your laptop or whatever, it's going to scan the system. It's going to scan the network to see if there is one there or see if there's a, an available meeting room there. The proximity technology has been around in marketing and, and digital signage actually for a while. According to the article, uh, using both proximity as well as occupancy sensors, it creates kind of a seamless meeting experience for folks to kind of say, okay, I, I, I'm starting this, this meeting now and then I get to walk into this room because number one, my computer or the team system is sensing where I am physically uh, in the building, in the, in the, on the floor, but also connects with the, the meeting technology and the, the meeting uh, scheduling uh, software to see if, if the room is available. If it is, it'll prompt you. Brandy, I'll start with you on this. This is one of these areas, and, and the article goes on to talk about this as being an, an option for touchless meetings, right? Where we don't have to come in and, and you know, press a button or, or, or initiate anything on any sort of, of control service, right? We yeah. walk in, it says, hey, this is available. We can, we can join without touching anything. This is one of these things as we come out of COVID, right? That, that folks are going to be worried about because we don't want to transmit you know, germs, anything like that. What other areas in, in, in the AV world can we see kind of leveraging, maybe not this technology, but leveraging other touchless quote unquote technologies. Yeah, I think, you know, that proximity feature is sort of a nice way to free up mobile devices and laptops. And most people have gotten really used to using their own computers and other devices and meetings. So, you know, the touch factor really isn't such an issue, but, you know, having shared equipment in meetings or conference rooms, that's 
that's where the issue is, obviously. Um, at my company, we're accustomed to using different wireless connections and touchless solutions. And for us, the verticals that we work in um, are typically museums, visitor centers, and theme parks where it touches everything, right? I mean, we, we, we see it with people using interactives and on different exhibits and, and obviously in a theme park kiosks and, and those sort of things. So that becomes highly, um, you know, sensitive, especially right now. So for us, I mean, having touchless solutions is kind of a no brainer and, and obviously something that's um, very much needed at this point. So um, whether it's a retrofit situation and we're retrofitting, that's kind of been something that we're working on right now, a lot of, or, you know, just deploying new touchless solutions where we're utilizing, you know, sensors like, uh, like with proximity and beacons and those sort of things as well, so that we're breaking a plane and not having to touch a display or device. And, and for us, it's just, it's so important right now to be doing this. And in this day and age where, you know, we know that COVID is spread, you know, uh, on surfaces as well as airborne. And um, at least that's what we hear today. So you never know. But never know. Yeah, touch, touchless solutions, I think, is a very big um, hot button buzz thing for us, at least right now. All right. Matt, same kind of question. is: is what, where, where else do we see touchless making its way in, in the world? We, we talked about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, uh, RFIDs and the ability to read that. We've got beacons and we've got Bluetooth built into our devices now that we all have. So where else do we see this? Well, I think there's lots of uh, areas and platforms where we can utilize this kind of technology to, you know, have a, a touchless interaction. The problem I see with this and, and the, you know, kind of spreading your face to cut off your nose situation is, are all of these, you know, huddle rooms or boardrooms, are they going to go to automatic doors? Are they going to go to having someone come in after that meeting and disinfect the table? And the chair and the doorknob and the light switch if, if you're not using automated lighting it, it's it's one of those things where I understand the push for it I understand the push to go to beacon systems and honestly I think that this is kind of one of the best things I've seen so far in a response to COVID that will last beyond COVID the the, the, the seamless interaction the, the less hassle for a user I think will outweigh the, the touch-free side of things for this. But again, to me, it's, it's one of those things of, you know, when this first happened, we talked about, um, you know, voice automation. And that was a, a great kind of concept. But again, if you've got to open the door to get in the room, then is touching the touch screen that bad? Mm, yeah. Uh, Joel, I want to take a little bit different stab at this with you. Um, sure. What are some of the hurdles? Um, and, well, the hurdles, but also benefits of leveraging and using technologies like this because it's all wireless, right? We're all talking okay. about wireless transmission and wireless technologies. What are some of the hurdles, but also some of the benefits of that? Well, some of the hurdles to start off with, in the 2.4 gigahertz spectrum, you have so many devices, be that you know, phones or tablets or you know, laptops and things that are also operating on the same same spectrum that you're going to run the risk of potentially crowding your environment or even in your if you're in say a convention center when we were at you know infocom or something you try to use a a wireless mouse in or even try to do any 2.4 sort of communication it can be quite slow at points 
depending on how crowded that spectrum is in your environment. So it's, it's one particular hurdle um, that I have seen just when you're in fairly dense um, places or fairly dense conference rooms, when you're when you have a meeting room full of you know, 20 or 50 people, even though I'm not sure if we're going to go um, back into that sort of packed environment fairly soon. Um, it is a hurdle that and the security side of it. Um, when you're dealing with 2.4 gigahertz or even five gigahertz devices, there still is that aspect of, of any endpoint uh, on the network being susceptible to some vulnerability or some patch that either was not plugged or fixed. It's always a problem in the, in the AV, but also in the IT, sort of the IT security realm that there are, um, you have the potential for someone with, you know, MTR or some other um, application that can communicate with Microsoft Teams room to be able to either join in inadvertently or sort of knock someone out off of a room, but they're probably addressing those, those um, sort of, problems and situations as we speak. It's just something to keep a lookout for. Uh, I know that the IT and network engineers, they're always wondering, you know, what is on the network? What devices can communicate without us even knowing? Um, and sort of what, what we don't know yet about Microsoft Teams room proximity join. It's going to be a, um, an interesting battle, not necessarily a battle, but a finding where the, the holes and sort of the plugs are with it. There's certainly benefits uh, being able to walk into a room with full automation. You don't have to necessarily touch or dial in the number for the conference or for the call that you're trying to connect to. You can just walk in with your device and say join room and such, but potentially who knows if other people can do the same thing or can, are you fighting for rooms now or, or what will that look like in the future when you have such accessibility and such ease of use and automation when connecting to a room. Yeah. Real quickly, Joel, as, as a follow-up to that, you, you mentioned that, that IT directors, IT professionals are, are making sure that what's on the network and what's being able to connect. Mm -hmm. is, are we getting to a point where they're going to have to start worrying about, you know, the Bluetooth and, and the other devices that are not necessarily connected to their network properly, right? There's no IP address, mm -hmm. but it's a Bluetooth device that's connected maybe to something that is connected to the network that could potentially be a security threat. Potentially, yeah, there, there are always those threats out there, and it's sort of a space that um, it hasn't sort of proliferated as of yet. You know, it's a fairly new new feature, proximity join in, in Teams Room, that is. It may have been used uh, previously in other, with other manufacturers, other products, but it's not, um, it's not necessarily vetted or, you know, proliferated out through the field that we know sort of all the caveats. And... Uh, accordingly, the network engineers or IT staff will have some questions of them. Okay, how is this person who may be an outside vendor who comes into the space, do they have access also to these uh, Microsoft Teams rooms? There will have to be some security um, and sort of authentication there whenever you're using sort of a proximity join. That would be the only sort of hurdles or caveats or things we'll need to address sooner rather than later to make sure that we have written documentation and procedures of how to you know, effectively communicate give the same simplicity that we want in a, in a uh, sort of proximity join, but for only the people that we want to. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, next story uh, is Savvy is set to de debut a new commercial automation uh, system at their virtual event. Uh, and, and yes, all of us are hearing that, that phrase more and more, a virtual event, August 26th. During that presentation, Savvy will demonstrate their new system that programmers can deploy in quote unquote, hours instead of weeks, according to the announcement. 
Matt, I'll start with you on this. What's the role of control in today's AV systems, uh, given the fact that there are so many uh, devices that can be controlled via IP and more and more systems are kind of going to a, a, a cloud-based system? What's, what's, to, what's control and automation look like in today's AV systems? Well, I think the, the control conversation really comes down to the customer conversation because there's countless situations where as much as we as integrators would love to sell a control system, frankly, the, the end user just doesn't need something. It, it is something where they can have a, a meeting room or a small you know, huddle space where they don't need any control at all uh, in, in terms of something that requires programming and all that uh, fun stuff. It's something where there is still an, there's still a need, there's still an application for high-end and, and high-level uh, control and, and automation, but you really have to address your client's needs. It's, in my opinion, it's been something that our industry is kind of challenged with and, and, and fought maybe against uh, for a long time where we overcomplicate things. And we program a lot of things because we can, opposed to because it's best suited for the client. Uh, or we, we design that space for that 5% that of use, opposed to the 95%. And I think you know, products like Savvy and a lot of other uh, systems out there are really changing the way in which you know, we're, we're designing systems. And I think it's going to continue to go in that way. Joel, same kind of question is, is Matt mentioned the fact that and actually you and Brandy are both nodded their head, your heads when Matt was saying that, that we have a tendency to overcomplicate things. You know, manufacturers like, like Sure are starting to you know, not only release their own ability to control things through software and IP, but also making those controls uh, available through IP, right? Uh, and I got out of control just as that was becoming more and more of a thing. So I, I'm watching it from, a, from afar going, that would have been nice to have, you know, 10 years ago. Um, but is this something where, where we really are trying to work with manufacturers of, like manufacturers of products, but also control manufacturers to make it more accessible to the client and make it less complicated? Yes, um, I believe so, uh, especially in the recent future, recent past. Manufacturers, uh, vendors, uh, vendors such as Savvy, they're partnering. We, we're seeing more sort of partnerships between manufacturers, between other companies to provide sort of a seamless, um, seamless application or something that's sim simplistic enough where either an end user, also the integrator who potentially installed it, but also either future integrators can um, design, commission, and maintain a system that either meets the needs of the clients, but is also in some cases, not necessarily future-proof, but it's looking into the future that they may need to expand or they may need to add rooms or they may need to add um, TVs or some other control interfaces. It's really about addressing, as Matt said, the needs of the client, not overcomplicating the design of the program, but giving them sort of... Um, a future as well, uh, some of the best practices that we've seen in installs and, and designs, providing that to the client, giving them um, the needs and giving them the, the sort of checklist crossed off that they're looking for, but giving them also the ability to upgrade these, these products without the need of going back, you know, to the, the manufacturer, to the um, initial integrator to say, hey, how did you program this? How did you, you know, figure this out? giving them the tools where they can sort of install, maintain, and upgrade a system would 
be best for all parties involved. Um, it would be, uh, I guess, yeah, best in all people. Yeah, absolutely. Brandy, uh, last question here on this. Uh, what's the biggest challenge that faces the, the control and automation segment of the AV industry right now? I think it's with respect to the type of device, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Apple versus Android versus Microsoft Surface or whatever the, you know, the person's using. Um, for us at MAD, we've developed a, a complete control system, which also allows us to control interfaces that are agnostic user interfaces. So I think that like with us, having that UI that's agnostic makes it much more simpler to deploy onto any device. So for us, you know, primarily in museums and theme parks, they can use their handheld, they can use an iPad, they can use whatever, you know, it could be docent controlled type of situations where it's available on any device and it's locked down so that maybe they're only controlling certain attractions and not all, you know, maybe that's only a certain area or gallery or pavilion, that sort of thing. Um, but for us, it makes much more sense to have that agnostic feature because everybody's has their own sort of preference in terms of devices and what they will allow on their system as well. So um, I think for us that, that, you know, that's the biggest challenge that we see is that just with respect to which type of device somebody wants to utilize. Okay, very good. Uh, final story here for us uh, this week from our own, own website, avnation.tv. Samsung has gotten into the large venue video display game, Sophie Stadium, SoFi, SoFi Stadium, home of the Rams, regardless of it's the St. Louis Rams or, or LA Rams. I won't have that argument. Uh, I'm from St. Louis, Joel, um, but I'm a Bears fan, so I don't care where they are. And also, story, though. I am you read reading the story. This, I, I'm pretty I, sure it says L.A. Rams. Whatever. There's no LA mention Chargers of St. Louis too. at all. That's because as long as he said Bears, no. I think we're good. Anyhow, <laughs> see, there you go. Uh, he's a he's a Cowboy fan, so he doesn't count. Uh, is he is the owner? Of, anyhow, SoFi Stadium of the Rams, uh, home of the Rams and Chargers, is the owner of a seventy thousand square foot video board. You have got to go see this thing if you haven't yet. Oh my gosh, it is amazing. Uh, according to Samsung, the over-the-field board has the quote-unquote most LEDs ever used in a sports venue. Um, if you are, if you are following along with sports at all, which obviously is not nothing's happening right now, um, but if you're familiar with the aforementioned Cowboys Stadium, this is bigger than that one. Uh, it actually goes, it, 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 it is, it's an oval, right? And it, it completely connects all around. It is gorgeous. I don't know quite what it would be like to, to experience a game there. I'm hoping to, obviously, when, when it opens up and, um, you know, I'll go, I'll go to go hang out with, with, uh, with Brandy and, and we'll go to a, a Rams game or I'd go yeah. to a Chargers game. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it looks amazing. Um, Joel, I want to start with you on this because this is, this is one of these, these areas that we, we talk about the fact that there's no sports right now. Uh, the Rams and the, the owner of the Rams is the, uh, Stan Kroenke is the owner of this, of this facility was banking on being there, um, in, in, in that stadium come uh, August and September. Most likely is not going to happen. Obviously we don't, none of us can see into the future, but it depends on, uh, it, it looks like we're not going to have sports again, probably at least for the next six months. Indeed. How are large builds like this, you know, being impacted, not only the ones that they're trying to finish up, but also ones that may have been on the books two or three months ago, but now right. they're going, you know, we're, we're not quite sure yet. Yet from the manufacturer point of view, and also from integrators, we're, we're certainly looking at those previous 
installs or even installs that we have had the contract for a while for and saying, are these appropriate for, you know, post COVID environments? If we're, if we have either conference rooms or uh, discussion systems where everyone's sort of tightly packed together, we need to revisit this and sort of sort of specify out more spacing or potentially moving everything to a remote scenario. In the instance of sort of this, this LG screen, or sorry, the uh, Samsung screen at the stadium, it's also now the perfect time to go into these large sort of high profile environments and do exactly that. You, you have the time, you have the space, potentially you have the reserves depending on um, your, you know, your budget reserve, depending on the, the company or the client where you can address those needs like, first and foremost right now while there's no one there and you know for the foreseeable future you know, until maybe next year until we begin to pack stadiums or other courses it may be the time to do exactly that take a look at those the designs if you're putting in larger screens or sort of uh, mixed use or more customer oriented experiences um, it would be best to sort of drive home those those installs and sort of take a look at those those um sort of integrations and, and what you plan to provide the customer more closely now than any time ever in the past, because this is sort of a once in a lifetime sort of scenario that we're given an opportunity really to, to take a look at these, these projects and move forward with them. Yeah, absolutely. And then a good time also to kind of reassess mm-hmm. what happened, you know, reassess those, those designs that are still on paper. Right. Indeed. Yes. All right, uh, Brandy, when, when you go into a system like this or, or you know, during this time, times like this, how do dealers um, and, and integrators manage large bills like this, large builds like this during a, not necessarily a pandemic, because none of us have been alive during a massive pandemic like this, uh, not to this scale. But when you are in a, you know, health situation or you're, you know, you have to keep your, your employees safe while also getting the work done, how do you manage that? Yeah, I think uh, integration is tough right now. These techs have to work, especially on these large LED video walls and other things. They're working in close proximity to each other to, you know, precisely align those LED tiles. You know, I was talking to a buddy the other day and um, he was, you know, he works in a lot of secured, you know, installations and most sites right now are requiring PPE equipment for the techs, booties, gloves, face shields, N95 masks, those sort of things. You know, techs are having to be thermally scanned before entering sites. They're typically going through a questionnaire of, you know, do you have this symptom, this symptom, that symptom, that sort of thing, before passing through to these construction sites. You know, we're seeing that a lot of sites are taking extra precautionary measures, you know, hand washing and sanitizing stations around the job sites. I just, I think it's utterly important to protect our techs in the field as well as, you know, everyone around them that they're working in close proximity with. So, I mean, really, I think integration is is really tough, and, and being on a job site is really, really tough right now. Um, and I I particularly don't really want to see my guys, you know, in any sort of compromising situation for sure. Absolutely. There was a, a Jeremy Burkhart actually um, from uh, Origin Acoustics wrote a piece the other day talking about the added expense of keeping your employees safe, and and he he made the recommendation that that's a line item, right? That's a line item for your, your, your clients, right? Um, it, it does cost you money to buy PPEs, right? So right. you need to pass that charge along because otherwise that cuts into your bottom line. Um, and depending on where you're at with how many, mar- how many margin points you've got, 
some of you don't, some, some folks don't have that much to, to play with. So yeah, absolutely is a recommendation. Jeremy Burkhart recommended, not me. I'm, I'm not that smart. So, um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Scott, we'll end it with you. When you look at it, installations like this, and we've talked about this a couple times before over the last 10 years or so, how do manufacturers and, and integrators alike shine in a situation like this? The Samsung one's kind of simple, right? It's a ginormous screen. Yeah, absolutely. But we don't know what the speakers are right now, right? We don't know who, who put the, the system in. We don't know who installed the Samsung system. So when you look at situations like this and, and in a year or two, as you're pitching your next, your next job or the, or the, next, um, the next install, how do you leverage something like this when you're, if you're a manufacturer or, or an integrator? Well, if you're a manufacturer, and obviously I'm not one, so this is just me thinking and, and trying to sound somewhat smart, but which I normally do. So thank you for, uh, for commenting on that. Um, if you're a manufacturer, you leverage this the same way you leverage any quality install you do, where you use this, and, and this one will probably be a focal point in Samsung's marketing for the foreseeable future until they top it with the next uh, installation. And, and, you know, again, you, you just, it, it's that if you, if you dream it, they will come. You, you can show, hey, look at what we can do when we bring our brands together and leverage the, you know, the, the intellectual mind hive we have at Samsung. As, a, as an integrator, you know, my company doesn't ever get into anything this large. This is significantly larger than anything we ever touch. But... Even so, we can use this kind of a, this kind of a project to use it as, as an example of what can be done and innovative things like I love the way that this kind of is the best of both worlds between Cowboy Stadium and uh, the Falcon Stadium where you have in Cowboy Stadium that massive video wall and then in the Falcon Stadium you have that exterior kind of ring where you're looking up into it and here they've kind of done both of that. You can use that as, a, as an integrator size to come back and come creative ideas where you don't have to use technology in the traditional manner. And I think that it, it, all it takes is a little bit of forethought and a little bit of insight to look at what they're doing in, in this event, or sorry, in this project. And even though you can still pull design ideas out of there to you know, create some pretty cool things. Mm, very good. Just out of curiosity, do you know the, the do you know who made the center board at, at Cowboy Stadium? I do, but I don't remember if it was public or not. Well, it's on Wikipedia, so that that's the only that's why I asked. It, yeah, it was I don't believe BC. it. Yeah. So I, I I'm just I'm curious as to how how long in the future we're going to realize we're going to all going to remember that that's a Samsung screen, right? Um, I don't know. It, it, it is gorgeous, though. You have to go see this thing. Um, all right, y'all. Thank you so much. Uh, that is going to do it. Uh, Ms. Brandy Alvarado, thank you. Thank you, sir. And how do you people... have me on. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or uh, Mad Systems? You can find me on Twitter at avbrandy and madsystems.com, um, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on uh, YouTube, on Instagram, all of it. <laughs> All right. And uh, the women, uh, the Women's Council just added uh, two new folks in the Kansas City area, Renee and Erica. So I'm yep. kind of excited to see that. We still don't have one in St. Louis. I've got one in Chicago. I've got one in Kansas City now. So we got to work on that one. So we're 45 nice. groups strong as of yesterday. And I'm really proud to welcome them as part of the leadership team. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mr. Scott, thank you, sir. Thank you. How do people get a hold of you or, uh, or uh, um, Omega Audio Video? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and OmegaAudioVideo.com or here at TV Nation. All right, very good. Mr. Norris, thank you, sir. It was a pleasure to have you. Uh, thank you. I, I wanted to get you on here and just see, uh, see, uh, you know, because uh, like I said, you were one of the smartest, you know, classes that I got to sit through at, at LFH. So <laughs> I appreciate your time. Yep. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or sure? Either uh, by my LinkedIn, uh, Joel Norris on LinkedIn, or uh, for sure, go to sure.com forward slash support, either support at sure.com for the email. Um, or uh, the Sure Audio Institute. Everything you want to know about Sure products is on the Sure Audio Institute. So feel free to take a look. All right, very good. Thank you all so much. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, uh, don't follow me. Uh, I mentioned the fact that I'm a Bears fan. Uh, so that and the Blues, and there's nothing there, right? It's just <laughs> me and making fun of Matt. I don't know. Um, but go by the website if you would, please. Really great folks put it together. I wasn't one of them. Uh, I just said, that looks pretty. And then Matt was telling me I was wrong. Uh, because the website, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others, uh, including Matt's Resi Week program that looks at the residential side of the AV industry. Also, while you're there, check out our supporter section. These are the folks, folks who help us financially, uh, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and a whole lot more. Insure is one of those, and we thank them for their support. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week.